0: Chapter 5 of Pictures of Jewish Home Life Fifty Years Ago. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Pictures of Jewish Home Life Fifty Years Ago by Hannah Traeger. Chapter 5 Log Ba It was a week before Log Ba and the friends of the Jacobs family continued to attend every Friday evening to hear a letter from Jerusalem read there was only one drawback to these Friday reunions, and that was that every week the little cellar kitchen sitting-room got more and more crowded, for each friend became so interested that he brought another with him without asking permission. However, as no one complained, Mr. and Mrs. Jacobs said nothing, and were indeed thankful that so many were interested in those old letters, and Mr. Jacobs at once started reading as follows. Dear Milly." I want to tell you how we spent Lagba Omer here, for in London we used not to make much of a holy day of it. Here days are taken in preparing for it, baking cakes and preparing tasty meals. Both old and young spend that day in visits to the graves of our great rabbis and in picnics on the Mount of Olives or in the cool shade of the many caves in the neighborhood. Those who have large families have their hands full, for the walks in the open air give the children huge appetites and, unless you are prepared for such appetites, it is difficult to supply all that is needed, for you cannot buy extra food, as in England, except perhaps a few nuts and a drink of water. Before dawn our youngsters awakened us and hurried us to get ready to start, as if we should not have quite enough of their pranks even if we left a few hours later. As we have to form ourselves into large groups, we arrange these a day or two beforehand, for there are a great number of Arabs and Turks about, and many of them are very wild, If you go alone, or even in pairs, they are often known to attack you, especially in the case of a girl or a woman. At first I laughed at the girls fearing to go alone when in the country, but, after having had an unpleasant adventure myself, I determined to be more careful and obey those who knew better than I did as to what was safe and what not. It happened in this way. One Sabbath afternoon I went out of the suburb with a few girls who, like myself, had the spirit of adventure. As we went along chatting merrily together we felt ourselves caught from behind by some Turks. Fortunately we had not got far, so that when we shrieked out our cries were heard in the town, and to our great relief we soon heard a horse galloping in our direction. We kept on screaming, and one Turk put his hand over my friend's mouth, but she bit and scratched his hand. Then suddenly we were let loose, and the Turks took to their heels, for they saw Europeans galloping up to us. Two of them jumped off their horses and asked if we were hurt, for we had been so frightened that we could not quickly leave off crying. They kindly brought us home, and after that experience I never wanted to go out without enough men in our party to guard us. Now this Lagba Omer a number of girls wanted to go to see some special places, so we formed ourselves into a large party and started very early, for you rarely get such an outing. It was a most glorious spring morning, and a few of us had donkeys to ride. To do so is not as much pleasure as you might think, for the donkeys in Palestine stop every few minutes, and, unless you beat them cruelly, which we did not like doing, they will not budge an inch. Sometimes they consent to be led, but they will not be driven, and you have a weary time of it. Now and then a donkey will suddenly start off on a quick trot, and, being thus taken unawares, the rider often falls off. You can imagine the laughter of your friends and how stupid the girl feels, but somehow it is always taken in good part. Our visit first was to David's tomb, but we were not allowed to go in. Next we walked round the walls of Jerusalem, climbed up the Mount of Olives, then rested under the shade of a large olive tree, where we spread out our tablecloth and arranged on it all the good things we had brought with us. The long walk had given us good appetites. After we had finished our meals other groups of friends came close to us and then some of the men in turns told us tales of our nation's ancient glory and each one had something interesting to relate then a middle-aged man with a group of boys came near us i think he must have been a teacher for he started telling the boys about bar Chuchba and his struggle with the romans Fierce struggles for Jewish freedom went on for three years, and the Jews were proving so successful under the leadership of Bar Kokhba that the Romans thought it necessary to bring their greatest general, Julius Severus, from Britain to command the Roman army in Palestine. At last the Samaritans betrayed our people. Our last remaining fortified city, Bithar, fell, and Bar Kokhba died in defending it on 9th of Ab. 135 CE. The Jews were the last people under Roman rule in those days to fight for freedom, and over half a million of them lost their lives in this long struggle. Rabbi Akiba, the wise and dearly loved Jewish scholar, was taken prisoner and scourged until he expired under his sufferings. Jerusalem was turned into a Roman colony called Aelia Capitolina, and no Jew dared appear in the neighborhood of Jerusalem under penalty of death. Jews under the Roman rules were forbidden to practice their religion, and anyone found teaching or preaching Judaism was horribly tortured. The rabbi, continuing, reminded his boys that, in remembrance of the brave deeds of Bar Kokhba and his Jewish soldiers, Jewish boys to this present time play with bows and arrows on Lagba Omer. I was most interested to hear all the rabbi had to tell his boys, and glad to feel I was at last living in the Holy Land, where so many of our noble heroes of past ages lived and fought and suffered martyrdom. I could not prevent tears coming to my eyes when thinking on our nation's past glory, and praying silently we may come again into our own. But I believe it will not be so much by the power of the sword, but as the prophet Zechariah foretold unto Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power or arms but by my spirit saith the lord those who have been born here or lived here for many years cannot understand our feeling thus though they love their country and their nation dearly when the rabbi had ended we all stood up and received his blessing we then went on to the grave of rabbi Shimon, which was in a beautiful cool and shady spot there we found numbers of people some groups were having a lively time singing and clapping their hands while the men were dancing but none of the women or girls danced, as it would be thought immodest of them, but they helped by singing and clapping their hands. Then other folks came to pray at the saint's grave for the health of some of their children that were ailing. Others dropped letters or pieces of paper into the rabbi's tomb with special requests written on them. Some put money into the charity boxes hanging at different parts around the tomb. There was also no end of beggars there. One nice-looking man went about with a red handkerchief tied up by the four corners, asking people to put in as much as they could spare to uphold the yeshivas and the hospital or the home for the aged, and other institutions. But as most of the people there around the rabbi's grave lived on charity, I could not see what they could spare. I happened to mention this to father, and said how I disliked seeing people living on chalukah, alms sent them from Europe, and I could not understand why they were not ashamed to take it. For they did not look like ordinary beggars, but quite the reverse— independent, studious, and refined-looking, as I found out later when I spoke to them. They seemed indeed to think they were conferring a favor by accepting alms. Father said to a certain degree they were wrong, but from another point of view it is difficult for a man to progress in business and at the same time devote many hours to the study of the Torah. Our ancient rabbis realized this and said that those who had not the leisure or the inclination to devote much time to the study of the Torah should make it their duty to give of their means towards the upkeep of those who did. If they did this, God would bless them. So it is now a recognized duty for every Jew in Europe who has any respect for the Torah and other religious learning or teaching to send his bit towards the yearly support of the scholars here. The latter, who do nothing but study the Torah, think that it is through their efforts in this direction that Israel is saved, They do not consider the money given for their support a charity, but believe they hold a similar position in Palestine to that of professors and students who hold scholarships in the various universities in Great Britain and Europe. The Jews in certain countries send more money for the support of their fellow countrymen who are teachers and scholars than the Jews of some of the Eastern European countries, and that is why some appear to be better off than many of their fellow teachers and scholars. THIS CHAT WITH FATHER HELPED ME TO UNDERSTAND OTHER THINGS AS WELL WHICH HAD PUZZLED ME BEFORE. ABOUT THIS I WILL WRITE MORE IN ANOTHER LETTER. NOW I MUST RETURN TO LAGBA OMER, AND TELL YOU WHAT STRUCK ME AS VERY STRANGE ON THAT DAY. AS I WENT WITH A FEW OF MY GIRLFRIENDS FROM GROUP TO GROUP TO SEE AND HEAR ALL I COULD ABOUT WHAT WAS GOING ON, WE CAME TO A GROUP OF WOMEN, GIRLS, AND YOUNGSTERS, AND IN THE CENTER OF THEM ALL A LOVELY LITTLE CHILD ABOUT THREE YEARS OF AGE SITTING DRESSED IN SILK, AND A PLATE NEARBY WITH SOME LOVELY BLACK CURLS LYING ON IT. I of course asked what it all meant, and was told that those people who had only one boy, or who had lost some by death, never cut the hair of their children till they were between three and four years of age. Then when it was cut, they put all they had cut off upon a scale, and upon the other side of the scale, copper, silver, or gold money according to their means. If poor, they put copper coins upon the scales to test the weight of the hair, and then distributed these copper coins among the poor. In fact, it just looks as if those who receive charity take it in one hand and distribute it with the other. Nowhere have I ever seen so much almsgiving as here. Alms-boxes are hung up in various places, where in Europe you would see only ornaments. For every joy or blessing, and for those who have relatives or friends ill or in danger, money is freely dropped into the box. This money is given towards the upkeep of the hospital for the very poor, and so on, Really it must be very hard for those people who have little to spare, but Father says this is one of the means by which every Jew in Palestine is trained to love his neighbor as himself. I feel he is right, for I never saw so much kindness and thoughtfulness for others as I have seen since we arrived here. Everyone naturally does what the others do, and it has proved to me how true it is that example is far more powerful than preaching or teaching. As we appeared so interested in what they told us, they kindly invited us to sit down, and offered us wine, cake, delicious pastries and jams, and later on baked nuts, though we were quite strangers to them. It is this kindliness that surprised me so much. Altogether we spent a very joyful day, returning home by moonlight, when we girls and women thoroughly enjoyed listening to the groups of men and boys who sang and danced on the way home. I don't think I could ever make you realize all the drawbacks to the life here, but yet it has a very pleasant and happy side too, and you really see far more pleasure than you ever do in London. In my next letter I'll tell you about the engagement and marriage of my friend who was only fifteen years old. Now I must stop, hoping that we may see you here some day soon. The older folks started discussing the life in Palestine. Directly Mr. Jacobs had finished reading the letter, they agreed that it could only be in Palestine that a truly Jewish life could be lived, for everything depends so much on environment. "'In London the surroundings are against a consistently Jewish religious life,' said one. If you try it is just like swimming against a strong current.' "'But here comes our chance,' replied another. For if we fight or swim against the current we gradually become stronger and at last we are able to swim well in spite of it, and so win the race and prize. If we just swim with the current, or just suit our life to our environment, which of course at first is much easier and pleasanter, the current at last carries us along so rapidly that we are unable to avoid rocks or crags in the river, and then we go under or make shipwreck of our lives. That's true indeed, said all the elders, shaking their heads solemnly. Then, replied Mr. Jacobs, our greatest duty is to have one thought and one aim constantly in our minds, no matter what our environment may be, and that thought is that God's Holy Spirit is in and around all who try to obey Him, no matter where they are, and it is only by the guidance and help of His Holy Spirit that we can lead true, consistent Jewish lives, live up to the old familiar words of the Shema, and love our neighbors as ourselves. End of chapter Five.